I think the moment when it became clear that there were people like dying in vast numbers to, to make this tournament happen in Qatar, I think that's the point where like the plug should have been pulled. You could be the biggest fucking hypocrite on the planet, but your criticism can be 100% valid. Are we going to have like international media outlets doing like long form exposés over the treatment of black people in the United States? Welcome to Radius of Reason. I'm LaVon with my co-host, Andre. Hello, hello. And today we're going to be talking about the World Cup in Qatar. And we're going to discuss the human rights violations, the cultural criticism of Qatar, perhaps even some Western hypocrisy. A little sprinkle. Of- but let's, let's just start off with like a bang. Are the people criticizing Qatar racist? Against who? Qataris and Arabs. Who's doing the criticism? The Westerners, pretty much. I I think every single Westerner is in their right to criticize Qatar for its treatment of workers and LGBTQ, except the United Kingdom. (laughs) Why? Because their teeth are bad or? No, no. I mean, I, I mostly uh, think that the British probably should take a, take a seat on, on, on a lot of <laughs> issues. Um, but, it, well, well, hold on. Let's, let's first, like, let's break down exactly, like, what's happened. Let's kind of summarize that. Yeah, what, has, what happened at this World Cup? Who won? Why did they win? Well, Messi put in an unbelievable performance. Unbelievable. Messi was a real winner, but... No, uh, the, what, 6,000 plus migrants, uh, migrant workers perished during the construction of the stadiums and infrastructure specifically for the World Cup. Now, we know that, you know, Qatar has kind of denied this number. They actually claim that only three migrant workers died in, in, uh, and activities specifically related to World Cup construction. Right. Now, The Guardian did an investigation where they found that that number was closer to 6,500. Who should we believe, Andre? Who has the incentive uh, to, to, to be biased here against large numbers? Well, look, I, I think the number is probably somewhere in between, maybe even far more than 6,000. I think three is a little... Um, how do I put it? Generous. <laughs> um, I suspect that, you know, any massive infrastructure project that's being built is going to have casualties and it ain't going to be three. And I also find that it's interesting that Qatar is debating the, um, the 6,500 number by saying it's like, yeah, that's just like, that's all the migrants who died. Like, across the entire country it's like well, christ man like that still sucks it's not that big of a country <laughs> like, like um, well, well yeah specifically so there's only three hundred thousand citizens but 2.9 million people right so they had to import a shit ton of people to help them build uh, all this infrastructure specifically for the world cup now okay so so they basically lied about the migrant deaths um, and there's really, there's really nothing to debate right on that front. Like that's insanely fucked up. Um, as, as much as, as big of a messy fan 
Uh, I am. Uh, I don't want 6,500 people to die for us to host a sporting event, right? Like, it, it, that. that's just, like, it, it's really unconscionable, right? Because we know humans are really bad when we when we start thinking like in these big numbers right if it was just like a child that died right like a a small girl that died dur during the construction of the world cup like we would actually show more emotion because we can relate to this one individual but when you start racking up numbers this big you get desensitized but this is an unbelievable tragedy that right occurred. and i and you know what's interesting i was just kind of looking at numbers here in the 2014 World Cup in Brazil, they reported, and it was kind of held up by some of the international media outlets, that only eight people died in the construction of all the construction and refurbishment of the stadiums in Brazil. So I guess this is also a question of why do we take Brazil's claim at face value versus racism? Well, could it be race? Could it be how subconscious racism? I mean, are we getting? I don't know. I, I don't know. But I mean, it, it is this question of yeah, okay, Brazil says eight, and everybody's like, yeah, it's eight. But what about Qatar in the Middle East that we just know that three isn't the case? <laughs> and I, I think yeah. when you start playing around with numbers of like how many people died, how many people didn't die, it's kind of just a, a messed up experiment. Anyways, there are other things we can also objectively look at to underscore the fact that, yeah, okay, things weren't that fantastic in Qatar uh, leading up to the Olympics. I mean, specifically, look at the conditions that the migrant workers were living in and continue living in, right? The 6,500 that didn't die, let's say, all the others are still, were, during the course of building up all the stadiums, were living in objective squalor, right? There was like a great video report, I think by the NBC, where they had a, a camera crew in there and it's like one bathroom for like 80 people or something like that. So basically like slum dorms. Mm -hmm. And the temperature reaches over 100 degrees Fahrenheit to, in the summers easily. Right. Jeez, uh, like. Not a great condition to be in. And I think what is uncomfortable here is also that this isn't like a unique thing that happened specifically when Qatar was like rushing to to build up its facilities for the World Cup right I mean Christ like they they didn't just build like four stadiums they built an entire new city to accommodate all of the the people and the tourism and the, the businesses that would support and sustain the tournament right so yeah okay like people lived in squalor workers lived in squalor and a uh, percentage of them died during the construction, but this isn't like an isolated case study, right? We we know that labor rights in Qatar and also in places like the United Arab Emirates are pretty horrific, especially because a lot of workers coming from the Philippines, Bangladesh, um, India, uh, they, they, they arrive to these countries and they get their documents seized and they can't leave and they get paid really shit wages that they end up sending a percentage over to their families back in the home countries anyways. So, I mean, objectively speaking, these are just countries that do exploit labor. And we can get into this a little bit later on in the episode, but is that any different than any other country that's ever held a World Cup, right? And that goes back to the point I was making about Brazil is, yes, okay, all these things may be true, but also, is there something else 
underlying the criticisms that people issued towards Qatar leading up to the tournament. Yeah, you know, I think I think that maybe the issue is it's also coupled with some of these. Uh, I mean, how do you say woke issues? Maybe the first woke World <laughs> Cup, LGBT rights, yeah, uh, women's rights, Islamophobia. Right. When you couple all that in with the migrant deaths, then like there's this just general distrust of Qatar. And, and look, I think that. Let me ask you this question: If this World Cup in Qatar happened in 2004, do you think there would have been as much scrutiny to their human rights records? Right. Like, do you think there is something unique about the moment we're living in with the hyper scrutiny on the rights of LGBTQ plus communities, the hyper scrutiny on the treatment of women, both in workplace and society after the Me Too movement? So do you think if this tournament happened 10, 20 years ago, would the discussions be different around some of the issues that were highlighted this time around? You know, they would be different, but I don't know if they would be any better, <laughs> quite honestly. And, and that's because, you know, also, you know, 20 years ago, if you think about it, like the Internet was like just an up and coming thing. People weren't even exposed to all these cultures. They, they, there might have been way more racism <laughs> back then there is now, even though now, you know, you can say there's all these other issues that you can criticize Qatar for. But, mm-hmm. but as we'll maybe discuss, like some of these are actually very legitimate issues. Right. Um, so let's let's actually look at some of these cr- uh, cultural criticisms. Right. So you've got general women's rights and LGBT rights that are associated, you know, simply with m- Muslim countries. Right. right? And, and, and inherent a- to their religion are some of these restrictions or uh, regulations against these practices but also from a legal basis qatar criminalizes or doesn't even recognize let's say the existence of lgbtq plus peoples right criminalizes sexual activity between males it's in the legal code uh criminalizes sexual activity between females and there is also the potential for uh punishment by death now i don't know if this is all part of a penal code that was passed in uh, 2004. I don't know if anybody's actually been executed for being gay, but in theory, it is written into the legal system that sure. that could happen. The one thing I'll point out, not to get too theoretical, but in Islam, the it, it's not like Christianity where, where there is like a clean break between, you know, like the legal world and like the kind of cultural practices. Um, in Islam, like the... Islam itself provides a legal framework it does. to work with and has a lot to say about that. So it's not it's not like Christianity where it's very divorced. Well, it's divorced, but we should also underscore the fact that in American politics lately, you have had the influence of Christianity onto quote unquote Christian morality onto the legal system, such as you know, the debate around Roe versus sure, Wade. Sure, sure. In, in practice, yes, Christianity also seeps into other religions in general have seeped into the, the the legal frameworks. However, the distinction that I'm trying to make is that it is actually inherent to the theology of Islam, whereas it's not necessarily inherent to the theology of Christianity. Again, in practice, we will still see it. Um, but yeah, so I guess the are, are these fair criticisms? Because we we are seeing that the world cup is so it, it's hosted in another country with its own 
values and standards. It's an international competition. Um, there's no international laws saying you have to allow LGBT rights and women's rights. Like, is like well, there are certain treaties that member states of the United Nations okay. sign on to. Uh, those of which I don't have specific access to. So, so maybe they are. But there's no but, there's no binding international okay. law that says that if um, if you don't support the rights of men and men and women and women to, to get married, that you're somehow like a pariah state, right? I would actually wonder if Western-leaning values, if you like, cut it up by population, are still like the majority of... of um, thought patterns in the, in the world right probably right i mean that's a yeah no that's a very interesting question because if you look at the population of india and china in particular you almost have to lean against it right right and there's there's what 1.5 billion muslims 2 billion christians well, and actually, so, I, I mean, I, let, let me ask you this question. I mean, you, you brought up the, the issue of women's rights, the rights of gays, lesbians, bisexuals, et cetera, in Qatar. Now, is criticizing that, if we did establish that there is like a legal code inherent to Islam, is criticizing that Islamophobia, right? Would you refer to these critiques as Islamophobic that were being issued to Qatar before and during the World Cup? Um, that's an interesting question. N no, I, I think these particular criticisms aren't at all Islamophobic because these are very basic value questions that you can, you know, make these criticisms and evaluate them for outside of Islam. Uh, in fact, we've had the, you know, we've had the same issue in here in the U.S., which is a Christian nation. <laughs> so... So, but, but even the term Islamophobia, um, I mean, I, I think like if you want to use the term like phobia, I think maybe it's better targeted towards like Muslims than like the theology, because I don't think, you know, the idea of like Islamophobia, like, mm, like people that are like afraid and scared of like the Islamic theology. I mean, yes, that's a, that's a thing, but it's like, I think what people maybe in practice more referred to is like Muslim phobia. which encapsulates maybe an Arab identity coupled in with certain Islamic, you know, interesting theologies. I think maybe that's what uh, it's more about. But anyhow, um, I mean, what about you? What, what, what are your thoughts? I think in essence, um, I, I think if you take it in a vacuum, those critiques probably aren't reflections of Islamophobia, right? If you just look at it on paper, somebody criticizing even something like forcing a woman to wear a headscarf. I don't think it's an expression of Islamophobia. However, I do think back to, to the point about, you know, implicitly believing what Brazil says versus Qatar. I do think there is an underlying element of this tournament happening in a Middle Eastern country. And mm -hmm. I do think that Middle Eastern countries have a certain trigger point for places like the United States and the UK. Mm -hmm. And well, wow. Jesus always has blue eyes, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, big, beautiful blonde <laughs> hair. Yeah, I, I think that 
all of the critiques are valid and understandable and i think that there there's no issue there but i do think that it's important to look at also where these critiques are coming from the history of relationships between these countries and why they were so vociferously issued and i do think that 9/11 particularly here in the united states warped our thinking about the middle east to a certain extent where there's almost no um finesse or middle ground that aside I am 100% in, in agreement that the treatment of women in LGBTQ plus in Qatar is, is not great. Okay, so, so again, but though, let's, let's really like nail this, this point down. This is an international tournament in Qatar. Yes. Okay, we disagree with some of their practices. Um, like, does that justify like... The level of like media scrutiny and I guess focus that has been kind of uh, the the focus that has been put on these issues when, like we said, in Brazil or in in, in another country, maybe like the focus is going to be more just on the World Cup in general as a sporting but, event. But that also wasn't hundred percent true because even in Brazil there was this hyper focus over oh my gosh, like the, that the, is true. The stadiums are falling apart. Um, oh my gosh, like the residences are in poor quality. I think every international tournament, be it the Olympics or the World Cup, there's always like a media sensation around. I mean, like the Sochi Olympics in Russia, right? It was like, oh, they put bathrooms, like uh, toilets next to but each other. But there wasn't in Germany in the 2006 World Cup, right? And was there, you know, the scrutiny in the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, right? There was a lot of focus on the history of South Africa with Nelson Mandela and everything that had happened um, with the racial segregation in that country. But there wasn't the same level of... Uh, and maybe, maybe they, they just didn't have as much to criticize in that particular country. Or maybe Germany, we're just like, that. look... Uh, there's there's a lot you could criticize Germany for. So at the same time, that's also, you know, you could also, you know, if you're playing devil's advocate, you can say that was in the past and what's happening now in Qatar, it's, it's very in the, the, present. the present, you know, again. And when you couple it with the migrant deaths, it's easy to say these are the bad guys. It's very easy now to like look and say, okay, they, they don't respect women. They don't uh, have lgbt rights they 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 don't give a shit about the migrant workers blah 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 blah. like it is easy to paint them as a villain well i think it's easy to paint them as a villain also because they've been cast as the villain for the past 20 years right i mean on top of the yes on top of the historical context right exactly like like, yes it, it is very easy to position them in like the image of the oppressor because, in fact, they have been positioned that way in our popular culture. I mean, look at, I don't know, like, video games. Like, who are you killing? Like, I, don't, I don't play Call of Duty, but I think lately you're killing Russians. But, like, leading up to, I remember when I was an, a little kid playing Xbox or something. Yeah, like, you, you killed some Arab dudes, right? Um, but I think those are two conversations, right? There's the very real problematic uh views that the west has on the middle east 
while simultaneously you can also look at the very real problems that Qatar has with its treatment of uh, women, migrant workers, and LGBTQ+. And I think these two things collided perfectly in uh, the two towers of the World Cup in in, in uh, Qatar. Yeah, collided. Um, that was so bad. That was terrible. I was hoping to get a smile out of you. Um, these two things perfectly uh, kind of meshed together in, in during the World Cup, in addition to the layer of a hyper-awareness here at home and throughout the world, really, about the rights of LGBTQ, the, the rights of women. I mean, these are things that we've been talking about for like six, seven years that happen to also fit into the news cycle when, when the World Cup was happening. And I, I, I think that was interesting to see. Because this, you know, we, we joked around about the title, like the first woke World Cup, but really it is the first woke World Cup because this is the, the first World Cup that has really taken place in the post-Trump sort of uh, really mobilized internet activist stage that, of course, this was going to happen. I mean, there's no question about it. And it makes me wonder if Germany hosted the World Cup next time around, maybe there would be extra scrutiny involved. Well, the most recent one was in Russia, right? Yeah, the previous one. And so, obviously, like, the government was heavily criticized, uh, but there wasn't a general... I mean, thankfully, there wasn't, like, a general disdain towards Russians. Well, if anything, I think a lot of people... Like, there was a similarly kind of a fucked-up narrative that when a lot of journalists were reporting out of Russia, like, wow, like who would have thought that Russia could be so great, which is kind of like a, it's like, yes. we, we expected bears and like, you know, to be our asses kicked by cops, but like everybody was actually friendly, but I don't know if I saw much of that coming out of reporting Qatar. I mean, you, you had like the, the typical interviews with like British fans and everything who like, they don't give a shit. I mean, I guess the biggest thing they were concerned about is that, like, oh, there's not a... You can buy beer in the state. Man, at one, I mean, at one point, you see the images of the tents, and you're thinking, fire Festival, you know, are they prepared? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I think the fact that there wasn't, you know, something didn't go wrong is, like, a really good thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, and you know, there there wasn't a... Ma- to yeah. my knowledge, it wasn't a massive amount of violence or anything like yeah. that that took place. I mean, mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, this was... As peaceful of a tournament as you could have asked for. But yeah, mm-hmm. like leading up to it, very real problems with the, the migrants that died um, and the the migrants mm-hmm. that had to suffer to make this tournament happen, which I, I suppose if that was going to be a problem, then we shouldn't have awarded it to Qatar. And then that leads to, to greater questions around how does the process work at FIFA, right? Um, the process is very simple. <laughs> and we all know exactly what that process is. So not not much to add on that front. But we would like to take a moment to tell you guys to please help our, help our channel out. Help our Subscribe. platform out. Subscribe. Yes. Smash that like button. Comment. Comment. Christ, we love your comments. The algorithm loves your comments. We love it when you tell us... First of all, how how we don't understand anything because we don't sleep with real women. Uh, we we love engaging with you on the beautiful comment section. So please like, comment, subscribe. But 
and th- this kind of raises a, also a good point about like international sporting competitions, right? Like, are they used to kind of soften the edges of dangerous or, or problematic regimes or countries? Um, things like you know the thirty six nineteen thirty six Olympics in Nazi Germany. Or the 1978 uh, World Cup in Argentina when they had their military dictatorship. They're kind of hosted in countries that are doing very messed up things around concentration camps, torture, um, extra legal detentions, oppression of certain... Yeah, and and actually, I don't know how many people know about that, but Argentina literally had their own Hitler. Yeah. I only recently found out and was absolutely like just blown away. But yeah, they essentially, you know, use the World Cup to sport wash their country and their government right and i i think this is what happens during sport and international sporting matches where um you kind of forget about the the ugly side of certain societies and maybe that's a good thing right maybe that's the whole point of sport is that you're supposed to have like a a neutral field of competition where north korea can play um the united states and it's just it's sport. Well, well, I think so. I think this is actually one of the best counter arguments that somebody could have for, uh, for saying, yeah, we should actually host the World Cup in places like Qatar, because what happens is it opens up their culture to the world. It opens up scrutiny, right? Additional scrutiny to their culture, but also it allows for different values to start seeping into their culture, and this is how. If you think they have a backwards culture, for example, this is how they're going to evolve. If you, if you think they're going to evolve quicker by being closed off, then I think, I think you're probably wrong. But that also has a lot of, it leads to the question, like that arrangement. I agree with you. I think any international exposure, you always draw in great things, right? Kind of how we got... A long time ago, we brought mathematics from the Arab world into Europe because of warfare, right? Any international exposure ultimately is good. But this does lead to a question of who has the right culture, right? Who has the right um, set of beliefs? And, and objectively, I think on a secular level, the you know full integration of women's rights and women into society and the protection of minorities is a good thing. And I think in that in that sense, that's something that our civilization, which also isn't perfect, right? We're still like fucking figuring this out, but we're on the path of like trying to maintain a level of harmony in that sense in society. Mm-hmm. But th- I have I've been thinking about this a lot. But how how what determines or who determines what is right culture versus wrong culture? So if we're opening up Qatar and we're you know civilizing it, basically, like how. What is determined that what you're bringing in is right versus wrong? Well, no, I mean, I, I, I think that's a really good question. And I don't think there's a simple answer to that. To just clarify the, the, the point that I had made previously, it's under the assumption that Western culture, like if you're a Westerner and you believe your values are superior, for example, right. which let's be honest, most Westerners believe that they won't say they they think their values are superior, but <laughs> like, let's be honest, that's exactly what you're trying to say. If, if you if you do make that assumption, then I do think like, you know, we had discussed, you can make a case that by having the World Cup in a place like Qatar, you can maybe expedite their culture to kind of evolve in a direction that is more favorable towards Western values. Right. 
but but to to answer the the overarching question about like how do you know what's what's right i mean, I mean this you know this i mean this is what philosophers argue about all day right like how do we determine like moral values and and ethics and and all this like it's it's not an easy thing to to answer i think like you know if people really want to think about this more uh they can uh, listen to our episode uh, i think i believe number seven good and evil <laughs> where we talk about morality and ethics and values but uh, I, I i mean i think a, a good a good thought exercise to have around this is if somebody from a conservative country let's say qatar um comes to the united states and we we have the expectation they will behave in accordance with our laws, right? Like like we will have the expectation that they won't subjugate their women to certain practices, that they will not they don't have to participate in, but they won't try to put an end to gay pride parades. Those are those are things in our culture and our society that are reflections off of certain freedoms that we have and that we've chosen to to express. If that is so, if we have an expectation that that somebody that comes to the United States respects those things, should not there be the expectation that if we are indeed going to Qatar, we should also respect their um, even if we disagree, even if we disagree, yeah. and it goes against our our belief. See, and I don't know if I believe in that a hundred percent because I, I I don't think I could like. Uh, it, yeah, it's a tough one. I here, here's what I'll say that. I, I, I think if 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 you are so bothered by you know some of their values and practices, then you can boycott it. You cannot go to the World Cup, but if you go there, you should go under the assumption that you have to respect their laws first and foremost, obviously, but also their culture. You know, can you criticize their culture? Yes, but when you're going there for the World Cup, know what you're going there for, right? You're not going in there for political activism. You're going in there to watch this sporting spectacle, which is what it was. Now, someone can make the counter argument, well, this is the this is the moment to really bring a spotlight on these issues. This is the moment to be politically active uh regarding these issues. So again, it's like it's a very it, uh, but then again, like, you know, you can have people that are not going to the World Cup bring bring spotlight on this. And, and if you're someone who is going there, just go there knowing you have to respect their laws and their customs. Which maybe that's exactly right. what happened because we got a spotlight on the issues, right? Mm-hmm. Here we are talking about labor abuses and we're talking about the um, the plight of, which I guess I don't know the specific plight of LGBTQ in, in Qatar. I just know Today that. Today you feel... Today, I I feel gay. Um, But, yeah, so we're talking about these things. Christ, I imagine a lot of people didn't even know Qatar was a country until the tournament happened. They started seeing people complain on social media. I didn't know Qatar was a country until I landed in Doha. So Interesting. uh, I didn't know Qatar was a free country. I thought it was still a colony of the United Kingdom. (laughs) I don't actually think that. But So, that, that... the awareness was raised, right? People still went to Qatar and they, they complained about, you know, oh, no alcohol, but they still went to the tournament. They played the sport. They enjoyed the sport and they left. Maybe this was a success and object. But I, I think that there's certain uncomfortable nuances that 
are definitely making it difficult to host tournaments in places that aren't aligned with things that are now being seen as Western values, right? I mean, if you're an openly gay player for a certain country, you can't what have your spouse there with you to support you, or your spouse has to pretend like he's not your spouse, or they are not your spouse. It's a very good point. And also, I mean, I don't even really think about this. From what I remember, women commentators weren't covered if they're reporting from Qatar. I'm not sure about that. I don't, I don't, I don't actually remember. Sure. So, I mean, I think it, it, it's... But yeah, it does open up some very interesting issues, right? Where you have a direct conflict intrinsic to the sporting event itself. Right. But I will yeah. say, I will say, for instance, at the Olympic Games we are now allowing women to compete with their heads covered if they see that as an expression of their culture, right? In the West, let's say. Or, you know, there, there's uh, Iranian judokas, or I guess now, you know, with the protests and stuff, it's a bit different. But in the previous Summer Olympics, they would compete with their heads covered. Or a Saudi weightlifter or something like that. Well, this is this is interesting because now what you're essentially alluding to is like, who is the responsible party for now kind of directing um what is acceptable and what isn't right like fifa is the responsible party and if they're going to award qatar the world cup or another country in the future of the world cup they should be able to like impose you know kind of their desires for what this world cup is going to look like hey you guys have to sell beer in the stadium you guys have to you know respect lgbt rights like it is up to them as the as as the governing body to kind of take care of those issues right to resolve those conflicts of course when your organization is so corrupt <laughs> you know like i mean it's probably part of the reason why there was such such a huge debate i mean if if you recall there was a lot of issues with the armband Yes. Uh, yeah, that's where right. They wanted to wear like rainbow armbands, some of the the captains of the respective teams. But basically, what happened is FIFA again shilling for Qatar uh, said, you know, there will be sporting sanctions imposed on you if you do so. Of course, no team's going to prepare four years for the World Cup only for the uh, rainbow colored armband to you know dock them points or whatever. Uh, and I think this is a question of sh- like FIFA needs to have an understood standard of what are they going for. They need to have bare minimum values, right? Like they 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 need to have like their own sort of like ethical standards. But e- even if that means we're going to accept like cultural relativism as our standard, where we will adhere to the the, the cultural and legal norms of the country in which. We're being hosted, right? Well, no, but, but but by virtue of having a standard, you're going to exclude some countries. That's true, right? So, like, you can be open. You, I mean, if you're, I mean, sure, their standard shouldn't be like everything in the Quran, right? So then, no, <laughs> no Muslim countries can like FIFA, be a part. of FIFA becomes a uh, Sharia sporting <laughs> organization. <laughs> but if their standard is like a few things, like, hey, okay, you have to respect LGBT rights. Women should be allowed to drive in your country. Uh, you know, maybe that does disqualify the majority of Muslim countries. But, like, in general, you know, the point is, like, have some very, like, base values that you adhere to. So you don't have... And, and like, sh- 
They should be able to sell beer in the stadium, okay? But, okay, and I, I agree with everything you're saying. Let me just flip the conversation around a bit. Back to our original point over if, let's say, FIFA is a reflection off of majority view in the world. What if it's a reflection off of like uh, the global consensus on something, right? Okay. What if FIFA would be issuing a standard of, hey, if we're going to host a World Cup in the United States, we will have no open expressions of um, LGBTQ plus solidarity. Because in fact, the majority of the world does not believe in this. Therefore, your country should not have um, uh, a sway over this or something like that. Do you get what I'm saying? You're saying what if FIFA said that to the U.S. Yeah. in 2026? Right. Um, well, let's let's be straight here. The U.S. has a much bigger dick than Qatar, right? Um, I would say, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so FIFA. That's a very interesting question, man. I. I mean, I, I don't know. Right. I don't even know what to say to that. Like, I mean, if FIFA is, is, if FIFA is, is an international sporting organization, right? And the majority, like, again, I don't know if the majority of the world supports this or doesn't support it. My bet is the majority of the the world is probably again is probably like bigoted towards LGBT well, in some way. So you're you're probably not wrong that that would be you know if you're gonna have a global consensus it's probably away from LGBT rights, um, and if that we is, have also accepted as I have I mean I, I think there are swaths of the population myself included yourself included that see the protection of rights for LGBTQ plus and women as as integral parts of our society moving forward and functioning right almost non-negotiables but that doesn't mean that it's the majority view in the united states even dude honestly man it is i'm really trying to think about this question and the problem is there's so many parties involved right like there's the advertisers right there's the the money yeah there's the you know there's going to be the the organization in the u.s that you know the the committee or whatever that kind of bids for the world cup and how they coordinate that with um, with FIFA and then you have you know certain states might have their own expectations right. cities within those states like I mean it's kind of a clusterfuck like I don't even know and and then and then like I don't know like it's I mean some uh, I don't know how much like taxpayer money is impacted by some of this like it's really a shit show and if you think about it like it's a miracle any of this shit gets even coordinated which which maybe i mean i i don't want I, I think the moment when it became clear that there were people like dying in vast numbers to, to make this tournament happen in qatar i think that's the point where like the plug should have been pulled i mean at that level i could say that the tournament went off without a hitch like it was a great tournament like the, the games were interesting um there's drama there was intrigue and everybody left happy and content i mean yeah sure but like objectively speaking it was still a failure because Right, a percentage of the population suffered to make it happen. Um, they spent two hundred billion dollars on well, infrastructure, and they built a brand new city. The question is: Is that city going to have utility? 
moving forward, moving yeah. forward, right? Like, is um, what was it called? Well, what, Lucille, is Lucille gonna have a function in Qatar after? What would Karma have to say about this? Is Karma a Christian or a Muslim value? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm asking you. <laughs> what will Karma say about? This? Well, I guess that was a dumb question on my part. We know where Karma is a Buddhist value. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. I think karma favors the dollar, unfortunately. And, and I think that if you just because you behave atrociously doesn't mean that you're going to be punished for it. I mean, look, I, I was listening to a podcast where they made a very good point about, you know, just the, the level of international exposure that Qatar got from a purely business standpoint. Yeah. It, it, it put him on the international stage, which is priceless, regardless of what happens to you know, the, the new city that they built, regardless of what happens to these stadiums, some of which they're going to tear down. If I, if I understand correctly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it's crazy. Now to go back to the 2026 world cup, which will be in the States. Let's think about, you know, from a Qatari standpoint, what criticisms do you expect, <laughs> you know, uh, the Qatari government to launch from a marketing standpoint? <laughs> right. I mean, they do. Okay. So we laugh, but they do control like all of Al Jazeera, which is a pretty major news. Al Jazeera. They, they also control being, uh, I don't know. It's like being sport group or something, which, which has huge, uh, reach in terms of like sports broadcasting. How, ballsy would it be if Qatar just issued a mass press campaign over the mistreatment of blacks in America in advance of the 26 World Cup? Let me ask you this. Let me counter this by saying, do they even need to when there's like plenty of woke people broadcasting but, for oh, them? So, but no, this is the question. Is there going to be a similar international scrutiny applied to the United States? We're going to have plenty of like homegrown discussions on it because I think that, I mean, it's a major part of our narrative right now. But are we going to have like international media outlets doing like long form exposés over the treatment of black people in the United States? I would expect media in russia and qatar and like these other you know I iran you know i would expect them to be very harsh towards the u.s that that is true whether you know in europe there's going to be a great deal of discussion probably not is my guess and and maybe but maybe this is like the great compromise we're coming to is that if you're hosting an international tournament of any sorts, be it the Olympics or the World Cup, and there's massive amounts of like media attention, maybe that gives everybody a blank check to talk shit on your abuses. It's like, yeah, okay, you're gonna Germany, you're gonna host the World Cup. Everybody's got free reign to like criticize the shit of you for like the Holocaust and, and like Nazi stuff. And really, maybe the 2026 World Cup is a great opportunity for additional scrutiny on the very real shortcomings of our society here in the United States. I mean, when is the last time we got to check in on how Native Americans are doing? You know, the quality of healthcare on Native reservations. Well, that's basically the point that was made, you know, in favor of like, you know, Qatar hosting the World Cup is it does give them that same opportunity to reflect on their own society. That is true. Right. So yes, yeah. it should, you know, I mean, in principle, yeah, it's the same thing. It should allow us to reflect on our society. Um, although obviously the U S is due to the political tension and the tribalism, like maybe we're more aware of our, sh at least if, in terms of modern day issues, 
some of the modern day issues, obviously from a historical context, you know, may, a lot of people still lack that understanding in terms of, you know, imperialism and in terms of, you know, slavery and, 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 uh, I mean, yeah, like in terms of a lot of issues, I mean, what, what, what we did to the Japanese, um, and what we still do to a huge percentage of the population in prison. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. We have an awareness of them, but is that going to be a factor coming into play when, or was that even a point of discussion when the world cup was awarded to the United States? I don't think so. Yeah. No one mentioned that. And I, I mean, I think ultimately speaking, this comes down to like, well, cause it's the fucking United States and you don't, you don't criticize it. Right. Or maybe you criticize it openly, but you're not going to like go and like prohibit it from hosting like a international sport tournament. Um, I'm just I'm, I'm looking forward to like a North Korean news agency like sending a reporter out to like the Cherokee and be like tell us about your would they allow North Korean uh, reporters is there any like restriction on that I mean they, is, there shouldn't be they should allow freedom it. of the press man it would be awesome yeah but I would be astonished if they don't like like the North Korean abandon their country and just no, stay do, here no like North Korean Vice News it's like a Gen Z publication from Pyongyang it, that's real no no i'm you're saying joking. i'm joking i mean it'll be you're joking yeah, yeah. I, I would i would pay money for that i would sponsor that Somebody. the problem is like they would all just leave the country like there's mm -hmm. just of course risk having their entire families murdered sure but yeah um no the the, the 26 world cup i think if there is any like level of, of hypocrisy coming from the west i think it's gonna really come up come to the surface in in that particular term right because we have all the evidence for how we discuss qatar and then we can use that as a reference point for how we discuss the united states and, and the build up to it right and I'd be, I'd be curious if they're going to count how many people died in like building the stadiums so and three and a half years from now we're going to meet we, we, <laughs> we, we are going to do another podcast on the 2026 it's world cup now um, and we're gonna we're gonna splice in things that we said right now. Into even that even if it's the nineteenth episode of the podcast, yes, we will make it the special <laughs> number nineteen. Um, but do you think there's a level of hypocrisy in general when we? Well, yes, of course there is. Yeah, Westerners criticizing uh, you know Qatar, and then there's going to be criticism of you know Qataris criticizing the West when the U.S. hosted. I'm sure. Um, there's criticism, but the important thing to understand is like, just because someone's a hypocrite doesn't mean they're wrong. Like, just, <laughs> just because you're a hypocrite, you could be the biggest fucking hypocrite on the planet, but your criticism can be a hundred percent valid. That is true. You just don't take criticism well yourself. Yes. It doesn't mean your point's wrong, but it also means or you're oblivious to, you know, your shortcomings. Because if we do take the... The, the top three issues that, that really were levied against Qatar, the treatment of migrant workers, the treatment of women and the treatment of LGBTQ plus the track record is not that great in the United States either. Right. I mean, how many people died during, you know, the construction of like the empire state building, how right? People died. Well, this isn't in the U S but in the Panama canal, which the U S right? built, right. Which for it's obviously huge economic benefit, but right. How yeah, many how many people die on a regular basis? How many migrant workers are making American companies money picking fruit in the Southwest without appropriate documentation, without health care, without any sort of like legal How many migrant workers are getting shipped to Kamala Harris's house? 
Oh shit, yeah. Yeah, that was that was fucked, man. Um also with Imagine if that happened in Qatar where you had you know, migrant workers from Nepal and India and Pakistan shipped to like some princes like front doors or something. Yeah. Sheik or we don't know shit about Qatar, man. This is, this is like, that, that is that is bad. The Emir, 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 Emir. Um, yeah. So, and, and again, the track record with women's rights, especially right now, isn't so great. It, it's actually quite terrible. Women's mortality rates in this country are like on par. No offense to Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso might be a great place, right? Mm-hmm. But Burkina Faso is not the world's premier superpower on paper. Our, our, you know, mothers should not be dying into childbirth threat that they are. To say nothing for the challenges that our LGBTQ plus communities face. The fact that, yeah, okay, we, we've guaranteed protections to same-sex marriage, but those, in theory, could always be at risk of being revoked depending on, like, the political winds that, that shift in this country. Like, True, yeah. And part of me does think this, like, hyper-focus and criticism of... Qatar's handling of preparing for and hosting the World Cup is a way to kind of like push off the 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 hyper focus on these issues here at home, where it's like, oh, well, I mean, look at shit in Doha; it's so bad over there. Don't 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 look at like what's going on here in mm-hmm. the U.S., right? But we'll see. But I, I do think, like, to me, um, I, th- I think your point is very valid. Like, the hypocrisy can exist independent of the legitimacy of the criticism issued. So I think simultaneously the West is correct in a lot of points that were levied against Qatar, but oh my gosh, are these problems ever persistent in our own societies as well? And I hope everybody takes time to to dig into them and, and, and study them intricately. Well said. Well said. Now, this maybe uh, all of this discussion begs the question. Uh, should we have international tournaments yeah. at all? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, it's a question that eventually we're going to have to start asking ourselves because I mean, these tournaments are freaking expensive. It's, it, 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 you have to basically build out infrastructure from ground up. I mean, what country has like, I mean, barring like, you know, Argentina or Brazil, but like how many countries have like six state of the art soccer slash football stadiums just like ready to go. Right. I mean, that's not even saying like the Olympics. Um, how many places have bobsled yeah. tracks? Well, it's a, it's a good point, actually. Just, just to interject, like we are seeing now, like these future bids, uh, even with the U.S. World Cup, even though the U.S. could host it itself, you know, it's actually Mexico, U.S. and Canada. And, Canada. Yeah. And, and these other bids that are happening now, like there's talk of like Saudi Arabia, Egypt and Greece. There's talk of, you know, like. Uh, I don't know, Argentina, Uruguay, and Paraguay or something, you know, like, so, so, so you are starting to see this because, yeah. because it is, maybe it's the inflation's really bad, but like <laughs> these countries are like shit, you know, like actually it'd be a little bit easier to just, uh, you know, host it between a few of our, uh, a few of us instead of, uh, you know, but there's also billions of dollars. I read an article, this notion that the more expensive and complex the bureaucracy is to, to host these tournaments, the more likely you're going to lean on authoritarian regimes to host them because in mm-hmm. authoritarian regime, you could just throw bodies at exactly. it. And, and um, it's a lot easier to pull off like a mass scale, less red tape, less red tape. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I mean, I think that if we 
look at like the spirit of these tournaments. I think that is an important thing too, right? This like coming together of nations to set aside their, their political and cultural differences and compete with one another. I mean, I think those things are very important. And if we just got rid of the Olympics and got rid of the world cup, it would be a shame to a certain extent. Cause I don't know if we have many moments on like a global scale where we are able to see the national team of Qatar play against another team in soccer. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I remember when I was a kid, like to me, that was such a, like an eye opening experience where you got to see different cultures and like, um, how they would cheer and chant for their respective teams. And that's all a very important thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, for me, it's two things, you know, to to kind of answer this question about the international tournaments, it's first of all, like you're not going to stop them. (laughs) Like in practice, they won't stop because there's just too much support for them. And secondly, yeah, I mean, I do think they should take place simply because of, you know, the element that you mentioned, the spirit and the atmosphere and the, the 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 actual tribalism in this context i actually think is a very good thing because i think obviously humans are very tribal (laughs) and we don't have wars as often as we did in the past this is kind of a good proxy (laughs) you know yeah yeah so like it's good to see these countries going up against each other right in the olympics in the world cup um it's good for national pride. It's good for social cohesion within these countries. And most importantly, for people that might be suffering, for people that are not maybe enjoying their life in the way that maybe people in other countries are. Like, you know, in Argentina, the inflation is really bad now. This victory couldn't have come at a better time for their spirit. That's right. You know? Uh, and even for myself as just a big soccer fan, you know, who's someone who like, you know, has been a big fan of Messi watching him, you know, uh, when I was younger and growing up with him, like it feels good. Like you kind of get on a little bit of a high when, you know, your sports hero wins and like it, it's it, it. I mean, how do you put a price on on joy? Right. <laughs> like, how do you uh, how much is Messi worth? Like financially, like yeah, net yeah, worth. <laughs> yeah, financially. Okay, like a, whatever that is, that 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 is the price of joy. I mean, his net worth is probably, I mean, I would say probably close to a billion at this point. But there we go. His yeah. actual like scope and reach is probably within the billions. Yeah. So th- there, there it is. So that's what it is. That's your price. Well, then that's a, that's another question. Like, are like athletes actually valued correctly because of what they bring? Right. Right. Like, because we think about how how much athletes get paid for what they do. Oh, they're just kicking a ball around. Well, I mean, well, actually, do you change how much the athletes from Morocco are paid when they start doing very well and they add like drama and like attention to the tournament? Because if this is just like a run of the mill tournament, the same like five teams are like advancing. Well, they do end up getting paid better if club teams start to like pluck them out like oh you had a good performance in the world cup it it is a way for some of these players to showcase their talents Hmm. so if you do make a good run chances are you've got players on your team playing very well further chances are they will get picked up by bigger teams hence they will get paid more so that does get reflected actually from a financial standpoint well so Okay, we, we I think both of us probably agree that 
it would be a terrible shame to cancel international competitions. But we recognize the fact that they're pretty damn bad for the environment. They're pretty damn bad for, um, I'd say, social stability at times within the countries that are hosting them. It's They're tremendously expensive. But if we're going to keep them, I think they're probably going to need to evolve and be reformed somehow. So do you have any thoughts on maybe what could be done to improve things like the World Cup? Well, yeah, yeah. Let's let's focus on the World Cup Um, because FIFA are easy targets (laughs) because the level of corruption is just unbelievable. Like they they are, they are quite possibly the most corrupt organization of any comparable scale, right? Like they they are just like if you haven't seen the Netflix documentary FIFA Uncovered, five part series, I think, brilliant Mm. and. In a sense, shocking. In a sense, not that shocking. Like it's just, it's it. It really is is uh, it's mind boggling. Uh, w- like they would leave, like they would bribe some of these uh, eth- like um, some of these FIFA officials with literally like suitcases of money outside their hotel room. Damn! Like it's almost comical, like how it was done. But uh, I I think the the first step really is. Um, we have to figure out as a global society, like how do we actually govern and regulate international organizations? Right. Like, I don't know about the Olympics. I mean, are they like, is it an international international Olympic committee? Yeah. So like, how do we actually regulate them? Uh, How do we we hold them accountable? Right. If they do mess up. Yeah. So, so that's, that's one. Two is like, yes, I think we should be, the host country countries should be places where you don't need to build an entire city to yeah. support the event. You don't need to build ten stadiums. To but at the same the time, that's going to limit who can actually host it, right? I mean, of course. If we're taught, we I think you had a very valid point about a lot of these tournaments bringing attention and interest into certain countries. We would want places like Burkina Faso or um, I don't know the kingdom of tonga to to host these sorts of things so maybe there should be a way that well multiple countries hosting it is the way right like right so so if you have i mean pick some countries in you know vietnam cambodia laos Laos, yeah that's actually like how many stadiums do they have between them probably i don't know i guess you need like eight stadiums or so to host the world cup I don't know if they have eight big stadiums. Maybe they can build one or two. Okay, if they build one or two, is it a big deal? That's okay, right? If the World Cup is going to... If they know 10 years you know, in advance that they're going to be hosting the World Cup, I think it's okay. If but also, do we need to have these massive stadiums, right? Do we need to have these like tremendous feats of architecture? <laughs> because, I mean, if you look at World Cups from like... Well, that's like asking, do people have to be greedy? Well, they are. Well, <laughs> you know, like FIFA yes. officials are greedy. They and they want their yeah, glitzy, the, glamorous shit. Yeah. But no, I'm I'm with you. Like, do we need a, a stadium that has eighty thousand? You know, that has an eighty thousand person capacity when, you know, at least you know when you're watching it on TV and when you're probably playing, like forty thousand probably would do it. You right. Know? From an atmosphere standpoint, right, and and I th- I think that's actually one of one of the best things that could be done is to really encourage like shared hosting because that also that that maximizes the positives. 
Because then, you know, you start thinking then about... It's mul- and it's also multiple countries, multiple right. cultures, as opposed to... A single... A single. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, criticism can be spread out. <laughs> right, yeah. We're not just going to be... Honestly, man, why the fuck aren't we digging into the shit Canada's doing? I feel like Canada's a scary country. Like, well, you know, maybe we'll have a chance. Yeah. Maybe like, if no one else does, we will on the on the 2026 episode... We will. Every everybody's always like, "Oh, Canada's all so friendly, maple syrup, dude." Any time those like investigations come out, they just find a bunch of like mass graves behind like schools. It's like, yeah, we just exterminated an entire population. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That checks out. So maybe twenty. Yeah, we're gonna find out. And don't think Mexico's you know clear here too. Like they're they're run by drug cartels. We're gonna have a field day with Mexico. Oh my gosh, like I didn't. I can't even imagine what. Like cartel influence over <laughs> over international they get like soccer. Half the profits from like the World Cup games. Oh Jesus! They're hosting like oh god. There's gonna be like campaigns against like you cannot sell coke at the World Cup games. Or in fact, you in must Guadalajara. you must sell coke. <laughs> you must you must buy cocaine. Um, so yeah, co-hosting I think is great because it also spreads out the financial responsibility for it. I think maybe. The, the very first thing is definitely reforming the international organization. And after that, I think you could start applying like sustainable building standards, right? You only use like some kinds of cement or, or basically finding ways to ensure that this isn't as much of like a toxic dumpster fire as, as it, it is right now. But yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of hope in these things. And I think it's good to, when people get excited about these tournaments and it good to, it's good to see people get interested in um in the sport and interested in, in other countries and i think my favorite thing be it the olympics or the world cup is you always get clips of like drunk fans just like hugging on each other it's like some like fat dude from like surrey is just like <laughs> making out from with a chick from like argentina it, it's just that warms my heart you know or the, or the it, camera it's... men identifying certain people in the stands yes you know yeah very sexy men with yes. great ripple rippling exactly. muscles exactly um so hopefully yeah. hopefully we can change things there's, around there's, make it better. yeah there's there's definitely a positive spin we can put on these uh from from every angle right and so Let's hope things move in that direction. But if not, we will we will be here we to will criticize. 2026, baby. But that's why we also need you guys to subscribe, to hit the like button, to leave comments, and share this among your friends. Your peer groups. Even your foes. Your family. Today you feel like a Radius of Reason host. Happy New Year, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Adios.